It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Stuart Vonney. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, June 13th, 2022. I'm Evan Brown. Russia's forces are unrelenting in Ukraine's Donbass region, and what we believed would be the economic repercussions have not dissuaded Russia's president from continuing his war. We've cut them off from, you know, markets in Europe to some extent. They're not going to send their kids to school. Uh, and they're not going to export as much as they were to Europe. But I think that fits with Vladimir Putin's strategy. He doesn't care. This is the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. For longer than 100 days, Ukraine's military or any other volunteer able has been trying to keep Russian forces from overpowering them. The war is lopsided with Russia targeting and even butchering civilians, and now they're poised to conquer Ukraine's industrialized east, the Donbass. With that, Russia can and is controlling Ukraine's bumper crop, its grain. And nothing we've done effectively has pressured Vladimir Putin to stop. Well, you know, Russia has launched a barbaric invasion of Ukraine, and so let's just look at the big picture first. Dan Hoffman is a Fox News contributor, and he's a retired senior clandestine officer from the Central Intelligence Agency, whose expertise includes both Russia and Ukraine. They've targeted neighborhoods and schools and a maternity ward in Mariupol and destroyed towns like Bucha. Over 7 million Ukrainian refugees have fled the country and massive numbers of internally displaced people. So, you know, Ukraine is not winning but then again, neither is Russia. You're right about the Donbass. Russia is poised to uh, take control of the Luhansk region of Ukraine. You know, their their new aim, tactical aim, is to capture Luhansk and Donetsk, those provinces. And we're seeing very fierce street fighting in uh, Severodonetsk, which is a, a key city near the Donetsk River. You know, Ukraine still controls, Ukrainian forces still control a, a good portion of that city, but the fighting continues. Uh, there's concerns about you know Ukraine running out of, of ammunition, not having the artillery they need. The United States gave them artillery with a range of only 40 miles rather than the multiple launch rocket system with 200 miles out of concern uh, for provoking Vladimir Putin. So Putin is, has, has deterred us from doing all that I think we need to do, um, you know, to keep you not just to keep Ukraine in the fight, but to put them in a position to win. And then. The other element here that's really important is that the Russian economy is not cratered. The ruble has stabilized and the Russians are selling stolen Ukrainian grain to those who will buy it. And there are countries in grave food shortage challenges in Africa that are buying grain. And there are countries purchasing Russian oil and gas, including in Europe and in India. And so with the high prices of fuel, uh, the Russians have been able to maintain their economy, certainly enough to carry on the fight. The last thing I'll say just by way of introduction is that wars end when both sides are so worn out that they come to the negotiating table and and negotiate a settlement or when one side simply defeats the other side. And I don't see either of those scenarios playing out in the near term. This is a war of attrition that 
uh, could carry on tragically for the Ukrainian people for some time. We'll talk more about the uh, the economic impacts to Russia or lack thereof, but I, I do want to concentrate a bit on Ukraine first. Um, the the fighting in the Donbas uh, is, from our accounts, taking its toll on on the on the Ukrainian military. They are losing people at, a, at an alarmingly high number. At what point does it change for the Ukrainians? Does it change for Volodymyr Zelensky? At some point, he has to say. We don't have anyone left to fight. We're certainly not to fight effectively. Um, he has made these uh, in, incredible and certainly uh, historic uh, uh, promises that they would not uh, cede one inch of territory to Russia. And I certainly think everyone believes his intentions. But uh, at some point, they, they have to take a, a, a sober assessment of, of what they've got left, right? Well, they're not done defending their country. And so, yes, they're losing um, you know, some estimate a couple of hundred soldiers every day, but Russia's suffering even greater losses. And I can tell you, I've, I've, I've traveled in that region a lot, spent a lot of time in that part of the world. The Ukrainians are incredibly resilient. They're fighting for their territory. They are acutely aware of Russia's indiscriminate, horrific attacks on these innocent civilians. And so, you know, Ukraine's going to keep fighting and there's no, there's no quit there, and they do have the resources to carry on for some time. And, you know, if at some point they decide that they've had enough and they want to negotiate, that's, that's over to them, I think. But, you know, we haven't – I don't think we've reached that point yet. And there's going to be a lot of losses on both sides. But, again, the Ukrainians are incredibly resilient people, and um, they're not they're – not, they're far from being done with, with this fight. Part of the, uh, or I guess a major part of the world response to this is um, ways to try to pressure Russia or hold them accountable. And before we get into the the economic pressure on them, uh, which may or may not be working, and in some cases it's not, uh, let's talk about the very real and real-time discovery of what could only be described as atrocities. You've alluded to them here about the, the brutal treatment of civilians. Uh, this is not like World War II where... We didn't find out, the world didn't find out about concentration camps and the like until really they were liberated. Uh, a, a lot of this, and I guess it's just due to the times we live in and the technology that everyone has in, in their own pocket now, uh, people are seeing the brutality of the Russian military. Uh, and has there been any way to put pressure on Russia to stop that? I mean, it's one thing to attack soldiers and, and military units, but it's another thing to go door to door to women and children and brutalize them and, and leave them for dead in many cases. Yeah, I mean, the Russian military is raping and pillaging their way through Ukraine, which is actually what they did on the way to Berlin uh, during the Second World War. And there are plenty of history books written about that. So they they haven't changed much. The Russian soldiers there are many of them who are refusing to fight and some estimates that over 30,000 of them have been killed at the end of the day you know this this war potentially can end when those russian soldiers decide they're done taking orders from the kgb guy in the kremlin to rain down hell on ukrainian innocent civilians and you know we've already seen a pretty high profile um uh uh, detention of a Ukraine of a Russian soldier uh, who admitted to 
conducting extrajudicial killing of a Ukrainian, you know, and so there's plenty of those stories out there. And I think part of the story of this war, you know, are those intrepid journalists like our colleague Benji Hall and our two Fox News colleagues who were killed in action. They're out there on the front lines in harm's way reporting uh, so that we can better understand what's happening in Ukraine. That's a sacred responsibility that weighs on the shoulders of those journalists who are out there in, in Ukraine, and we owe them all a debt of, of gratitude. You've been listening to Dan Hoffman, formerly a CIA clandestine services senior officer. He's now a Fox News contributor. Here on the Fox News Rundown, War on Ukraine, we'll have more with Dan Hoffman straight ahead. Let's talk about the the economic pressure that we supposedly placed on them. This had been a bragging point for President Biden that the the economic sanctions would be too great for Russia to bear, that the ruble would collapse, that their economy would completely stall. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, this simply has not happened. And in fact, Russia is finding ways to make money in the middle of this and to do it in a very nefarious way, as you mentioned, by selling the grain it has stolen from Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine normally uh, feeds the world uh, with its grain output or a good, good hunk of the world, especially in Africa. Uh, and, and this has put uh, a horrible constraint on, on Africa where food is scarce to begin with. And now Russia is coming in almost like a war profiteer saying, oh, you're hungry. Well, we've got some grain to feed you, uh, but it's going to cost you. Uh, and certainly they are not suffering the way the Biden administration has promised that they would suffer, meaning the Russians. So what say you there? Yeah, I th- you know, the Biden administration, when Russia put 70,000 troops on the border now, April of, of 2021, uh, you know, we didn't take that period that we had. We had a, a lot of time there to really prepare Ukraine and potentially deter Russia. It's counterfactual history. I don't know if we would have deterred Russia, but the administration preferred to engage with Putin and tell him there were two possibilities. One was uh, for, you know, diplomacy to, to negotiate a way out of this, uh, which we knew wasn't really very likely. And the other one was if Russia launches an attack, then they will face crippling sanctions and United States military support to Ukraine. At the time, we thought it would be an insurgency because our intelligence community and the U.S. government, the Biden administration, assessed that that Russia would quickly topple the the government of Ukraine, or we were going to facilitate that by giving Zelensky a ride out. You know, he famously said, "I don't need a ride; I need ammunition. The fight is here." How about that for a for a pithy wartime slogan for from a from a leader who's shown great, right. um, you know, tremendous uh, wartime leadership? So, you know. Um, we haven't accomplished our mission. We didn't deter Russia's attack in the first place, and we aren't making them pay uh, as much as we would like. Yes, they're you know they we've cut them off from you know markets in Europe to some extent. They're not going to send their kids to school, uh, and they're not going to export uh, as much as they were to Europe. But I think that fits with Vladimir Putin's strategy. He doesn't care. You know, he's from Saint Petersburg. He just held a, a big. Uh, ceremony commemorating um, uh, anniversary Peter the Great's rule. And, of course, Peter the Great was famous for opening a window to Europe. Well, Vladimir Putin's closed that down. And he wants to align himself with China because that suits his regime security's best interests because he's got to align himself with the other big dictatorship. But for economic reasons, economic growth, Russia should be aligned with Western Europe and should be opening up its markets to Western Europe and vice versa. But that's that's not good for Vladimir Putin's future. And he knows it because 
Europe is where democracy happens, and that's the greatest threat to Vladimir Putin. So uh, this is a conscious decision by Putin to carry on this way, uh, to extort the world, as you mentioned, and uh, sell stolen Ukrainian crops and grain, uh, conduct extra para, you know, paramilitary operations in Africa to give Russia access to minerals and trade routes that they wouldn't otherwise have, and then align themselves with China for all that that entails. We are seeing a major geopolitical shift right now that Vladimir Putin has chosen. Now, it's possible that when Putin is gone, his successor may decide uh, that they need to swivel Russia back towards Europe. There's always been a tension in Russia. Do they align with the West or with Asia? And right now we're seeing, to the detriment of Russia's citizens, even though their economy is carrying on, for sure to the detriment of their well-being, Putin has chosen you know, China to, to, for his strategic partnership. All right. Uh, Dan Hoffman, retired CIA senior clandestine services officer at our Fox News contributor. Thank you for joining us once again on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. My pleasure. Listen, have a great rest of your day and a great rest of the week. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.